Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord our, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus says the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. My name is JP. I'm the student ministries pastor here. And I'm so excited to be here talking to you today about our emphasis for this year, the year 2017, for serving Sylvania and loving our neighbors. And I love the way Andy put it last week, that many times churches outreach strategy looks more like a donut. And you can go to all four corners of the globe. We can go to Zambia and all these places. And we've created a donut with a big donut hole missing. We've missed our Jerusalem. And so that's what we focused on last week. That's what we're going to focus on this week. And that's what we're going to focus on this year is our Jerusalem. The eight houses around your house. The donut hole. And yes, we have donut holes waiting for you in the back. Um, I'm just thrilled to be talking about this. And we all have neighbors. We may not have eight neighbors, but we all have neighbors. And I I was counting the times. My wife and I have been married 13 years, and we almost 13 years, and we've moved 10 times. And so we have lots of neighbor stories. Some are good, and some are... Not so good. Um, We've had neighbors that have let their lawn grow too long, and I'm sure you've all experienced that at some point. I'm not just saying they let it go a week or two. They let it go like six to eight weeks, and this is in Miami, which is like four to six months in the Midwest. Grass grows that fast. It was that long. Um, The same neighbors covered a hole in their privacy fence, now, the, the hole wasn't like a little hole. It was like a section had fallen down, and they covered it with a mattress. <laughs> that, that privacy fence also did not have any down posts into the ground. Instead, they tied it to our fence. So as it rotted and fell, it pulled our fence down with it. We've had neighbors that have woken us up at 3 a.m., trying to conceive a child. I kid you not. We've had some crazy neighbors. I've had the police called on me when I was a little boy because on a Saturday afternoon, I was playing soccer with my dog, and the dog was barking. And my brother, when he was little, uh, was riding his bike. And you know how when you're riding your bike around the block, you don't really want to slow down for the corners? So you clip a little corner of the grass. Well, he did that. And the, the neighbor who lived there saw it, jumped in his car, and started chasing my brother on his bike because he cut the corner of the grass. We've had some crazy neighbors. Now, we've also had neighbors who needed help assembling furniture that they just purchased or getting their, their new snowblower to work. Um, I, I remember my neighbor across the street growing up, the Lodies. And I remember uh, every year for Christmas, 
Well, first of all, every time me or my siblings were born, uh, she made a handmade mailbox that hung on our Christmas tree. And it opened. And every year for Christmas, she would fill it with McDonald's gift cards. Awesome. Exactly. So every year for Christmas Eve, my family went to McDonald's on the way to the Christmas Eve service. And that was a family tradition, thanks to Mrs. Lodi. And I remember when Mrs. Lodi had a stroke. And she went to the hospital. And I remember standing in the Lodi's driveway with Mr. Lodi in tears. And I remember having the opportunity to pray with him. And I remember times when our neighbors would surround us when we were in need. I I remember in high school, I drove home from school and I got home and it was silent. Now my mom's not very loud, but it was silent. Usually my mom's the only one home when I get home from school. All of the doors were shut. The doors to the bathroom, the doors to the bedrooms. Even the pocket doors to the kitchen were closed. Something was weird. The only door that was open was my mom's bedroom. And there was a note on the table from a neighbor who had come over when my mom called because she had to be rushed to the hospital with pneumonia. And the note said, call grandma. Everything's going to be okay. Those neighbors came to us when we needed them. And they were there for us. Now, I want to take a slight tangent. Because I think that in in Christendom, we use a phrase that is quite destructive. And I want to just bring it to everyone's attention so we can stop using it in such a destructive way. And that phrase is many people talk about someone who's been called to full-time ministry. And I get what they're trying to say. I get the intent behind it is that full-time ministry means vocational ministry. Someone who makes a career out of being a minister. I I get that. But when we say they've been called to full-time ministry, we're saying other people are called to part-time ministry or aren't called to ministry. And the truth is, everyone who's in here is called to full-time ministry. Because we all have full-time neighbors. And Jesus' command to love our neighbor is a full-time command. This is important. We are all called to full-time ministry. And we all have neighbors to love. Now you may be thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Full-time? I can barely find time to fill in the blank. Make dinner. I can barely find time to sleep. Maybe your schedule feels like this. Bill and Claire have a traditional family. Dad! Luke just shot me! They're only plastic BBs. Buddy, uncool. That's it? No, 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 no. The agreement was that if he shoots someone, you shoot him. He's got a birthday party. You can shoot him afterwards. He'll be home at 2. I can't shoot him at 2. I'm showing a house at 2. What about 3? No, we do a soccer game at 3, and then, oh, we got to leave for that dinner at 5. 4.15? You could shoot him at 4.15. Yeah, I guess that works for me. Shoot Luke. Sorry, dude. It's on the calendar. Come on. 
How many of you feel like your calendar controls you rather than you controlling your calendar? Sorry, dude, it's on the calendar. I have to shoot you, right? Sometimes it's a struggle to find those slivers of time when we can shoot our son with a BB gun, right? There's a, there's a book that our, our outreach director, Betty Bassett, is teaching a class on on Tuesday nights. It's called The Art of Neighboring. And I know she would love to have you join her on Tuesday nights. Um, I want to read you one thing from that book. In this life, we can do few things really well. I think it's a good idea to make certain that one of those things is what Jesus says is most important. Loving our neighbors is drastically important. And I know that sometimes scheduling things can be difficult and adding something to your calendar can be difficult. And if your neighbor isn't a part of the normal world that you communicate with, it can be difficult. And I want to identify four lies of a busy life. Four lies of a busy life. I think they're pretty self-explanatory. And if you identify with any of them, please understand it's a lie, and it doesn't have to be that way. The first lie, things will settle down someday. <laughs> Two, more will be enough. Three, everybody lives like this. Four, being busy means you're important. These are lies. These are lies. If you're too busy to love your neighbor, and Jesus is saying that's important, I say that's important. And we need to adjust things in our calendar. Now I want to jump into some practical tips on loving our neighbors. And some of these are time-neutral tips. So it doesn't take any more time to love our neighbor. It's just changing the things we do a little bit. The first one is time neutral. And that is do what you do in the backyard, in the front yard. So if you're about to go outside and play with your kids in the backyard, do it in the front yard. You run into more people in the front yard as neighbors walk by, right? I have way more conversations washing my car in the driveway than I do grilling a hamburger in the backyard. And so here's another thing. You can take your grill, provided it's okay with your homeowners association, and put it in your front yard or in your garage. And then when it's time to cook, open your garage, pull it out into the driveway a little bit, and grill. You'll have way more conversations because you'll run into more people. And that brings me to, to point number two. That's the 10-minute rule. When you engage in a conversation with your neighbor or a neighbor engages a conversation with you, try as much as possible to make that conversation last 10 minutes. It means you're going to have to get past the weather. It means you're going to have to get past the, the good smell of your grill as you're cooking, right? You're going to have to get past those small, the small talk and get into something deeper. Now, if, if they say, hey, I, it's nice talking to you, I need to run, don't say, wait, my church told me I need to talk to you for 10 minutes. Just try. Try to keep the conversation going for 10 minutes. I'd love to hear stories about those. Number three, put yourself in a place of need. 
And this one's hard. It's hard for us because sometimes we can be prideful and we can say, I don't really need anything. I can, I can run to the store and get it myself, right? If you're cooking and you're one egg short, rather than jumping in the car and running to Kroger or Meyer, try knocking on your neighbor's door and seeing if they have an egg you can have. How many of you, if your neighbor knocked on your door and asked for an egg, would say, no? Exactly. Right? And your neighbor would do the same. So put yourself in a place of need. And that might be a tool. And this, this is what, this one's hard for me. I love when I'm in the middle of a project and I'm a tool short. Because I get to go to the store and buy a new tool. And that's exciting. So in front of all these witnesses, I promise I'm going to go to my neighbor's house and see if my neighbor has that tool that I can borrow to put myself in a place of need. Number four, this is another pretty much time neutral, and that's make extra food. You may have to chop a couple more carrots or something like that. It's, It's okay. Pretty much time neutral. You're making food anyway. Make extra. I had a friend named Mark who was fantastic at this. He was genius, and he would blame his wife. He would call up his neighbor, and he'd be like, my wife made way too much food again. We need help eating it. And then he would give them two options. One option would be, hey, we need help eating it. You're welcome to come over here and eat it with us. And if that doesn't work for your schedule, that's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll pack it up, and we'll leave it on your porch. And either way, even if your neighbor isn't the sociable type and doesn't really want to come over to a stranger or a neighbor's house for dinner, they're still being loved. You're still loving them because you're leaving them food on the porch so that they can take the next day to work. Make extra food. And you can, you can utilize this in your schedule. I know that you're not making meals every day. And every time you make a meal, you don't have to make extra. Once a month, twice a month. Something that's going to work for you. To just have a couple extra place settings at your table and invite your neighbors over. And if not, put it in the Tupperware, leave it with them, a little note, enjoy. The fifth practical tip, as much as possible, as much as is within your control, when you get invited by a neighbor to do something, say yes to that first invite. That first invite is important because they've worked up the courage. They see that you're doing something. They see that you're starting to love your neighbors. And and they've come across and said, I'm going to ask them blank. I don't know if they're asking you to come over and watch a game. If they're asking you to come over for dinner. As much as possible, that first invite, say yes. You're way more likely to get invited again. If you say no the first time, it's less likely that it'll happen again. Now, again, as much as within your control, don't miss your grandma's funeral, don't miss your daughter's wedding, but as much as possible, say yes to the first invite. That's the significant one. Now, some of you may say, hey, listen, I've got eight neighbors, I'm making my little map, and I'm filling in names, and these tips seem like they're going to work for most of my neighbors. But there's that, that one neighbor. You know, the one that they're just a little more difficult to love. Maybe you have a neighbor like this. So what does being an upstairs neighbor mean to you? Uh, It means we make sound. Mm -hmm. 
People think of neighborly noise as a nuisance, but we think of it as an art form. <laughs> we want the sounds to be different, but completely unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. It, it just sounds like bowling balls. That, that can't be what it is, but that's what it sounds like. It sounds like bowling balls. Is it a bowling ball? Is it a metal barrel? You never know because sometimes we get metal barrels. <laughs> you knew we were twisted, though. <laughs> Julia is a fountain of creativity. Oh. She's a genius. Oh. <laughs> She's so creative. Oh. Their ceiling is our stage, mm-hmm. and we're dancing across it. Yeah. Uh, it is work. You know, we often take shifts uh, to create the illusion that nobody here sleeps. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a baby decides that a giant is learning how to walk. A floor is but a movie screen uh, to project the mind's eye. And all of that hard work really pays off when we get to meet our fans. There's a lot of noise going on up here. It kind of sounds like... Sounds tough. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Be well. Thank you. You know, some people uh, might say what we do is passive aggressive. Thank you. Thank you. Do, do I sense that some of you relate to that? Um, sometimes neighbors are more difficult to love. Um, you know, I, I want to share a story. When we were in Miami, we purchased our first home. And we were so excited. And it was time for move-in day. And we moved in. And on one side, we had uh, a couple, Santiago and Margarita. And they were from Cuba. They had lived in the house for 30 years. Uh, and they, they loved the neighborhood. And they were the sweetest couple. They were so wonderful. And uh, I remember they would bring over Christmas gifts for miles. And we really couldn't communicate well with them. They spoke broken English and we spoke broken Spanish. So we couldn't communicate a lot, but they were just really, really nice. And I do remember one thing about Florida. The avocados you see in the grocery store are not the size of a Florida avocado. And Santiago and Margarita had an avocado tree. And, yes, every once in a while, Santiago would come over and, and he'd have a grocery sack with an avocado this big. And I was like, yes! You know, I would get the Tostitos out and I'd be like, we're making guacamole, this is great. They were wonderful neighbors to have. On the other side, of our house was a woman named Victoria and she was very pleasant to interact with, to talk with. So it would seem. And she's the heart of many of the stories I told earlier um, that weren't so pleasant to have as a neighbor and a few more. Um, I remember one day on the way home from church, I was driving down our street and I was looking at something in the road and I couldn't quite make out what it until I got closer and saw that it was Victoria and her boyfriend in a fist fight in the middle of the street. And the, the, the lifestyle she led, they had many, many, many 
late night parties that were very loud and disruptive to the neighborhood. And that was difficult for me. It was it tried my patience quite a bit. And I remember having Alicia kind of talk me down and say, take some deep breaths. It's okay. Just try and go to sleep. I can't go to sleep. It's too loud, you know. And I remember the culmination of the loud parties. Um, oftentimes we would find beer bottles in our yard the next morning. And one time I found beer bottles on our roof because they'd been tossing them up there when they were done. Not all neighbors are easy to love. And I'm reminded of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 and 39. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Throughout scriptures, we learn that our response should be forgiveness. Our response should be love. And I want to share a practical tip that helped me to love Victoria, my neighbor. And that's find something they do well and focus on that. Because what happens when a dispute starts to happen is we focus on the negative and it builds. Focus on what's good. And Victoria was a great gardener. And there were times when I would look at her house and I would focus on her garden. And it would almost drown out the mattress covering the hole in the fence. But we were able to, to talk with her about gardening. Because I can't garden and Alicia's not any good at it either. We kill lots of things. We were able to talk with, with Victoria about gardening. And we were able to have a loving conversation with her. And put all those differences aside. Focus on what they do well. And I know that some of you aren't going to buy that. It's, it, you might have a dispute running a little too long with a neighbor. I, I pray no one in here has this. But I looked around on the internet at neighbor disputes on YouTube. Um, can be very entertaining. Um, if you're in the situation, I'm sure it's not. But people get very upset. And they, people will buy surveillance systems for their house so that they can catch their neighbor in the act of doing something that offends them. And I'm reminded of John chapter 8. When they caught the woman in adultery. In the very act, they said. And they brought her to Jesus. And Jesus said, let he who is without sin throw the first stone. In other words, that rock you've got and you're waiting for your neighbor to cross that line, it's time to drop the rock. It's time to turn the other cheek. It's time to forgive. And it's time to love your neighbor. As the band come for, comes forward, I want to leave you with two thoughts. One thought, or, or one practical, fun tip. There are donut holes in the back as we focus on the donut hole of our outreach, which is our neighbors. 
And the other thought is from Nelson Mandela. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't save the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. I understand that loving your neighbors can be a scary thing. But you are a child of God. You have a neighbor. And you're called to full-time ministry to love that neighbor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you've done for us. And I pray that you give us courage and wisdom and patience as we embark on a new journey of loving our neighbors more intentionally. It's in your precious name I pray. Amen.